0: through in Guy, Arkansas, you find worship, uh, you you find holiness, Uh, one thing that I love about this man is he is a balanced man, he's not too far to an extreme one way or another and that's what I'm trying to be, Brother Blakely, uh, we know you've got a word from God for us and our hearts are open, we want to hear what thus saith the Lord, anybody going to help the preacher preach today, Brother Blakely come and preach your soul. Why don't we lift up our hands and just love the Lord just a minute here together. the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Come on, praise Him a little bit. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, glorify Him a little bit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Well, I want to say it's a distinct honor to be here with this Jennings Church and Brother Townley. Amen. At Pillars of Faith Conference. Amen. Thank you so much for your hospitality. This is one of the most hospitable places I've ever been. Amen. I'm telling you, Brother Townley, it make you want to stay forever. Amen. We love you, Brother Townley. Got confidence in you. This man is about the kingdom of God. He loves the kingdom of God. Thank you to you and your good wife. Thank you for the basket, beautiful room, the gifts. Amen. Everything. The meals, man, I'm telling you, the meals. Amen. Where's that Brother Beard at? Amen. Is he here this morning? Hey, Amen. Amen. Brother Beard, thank God for Brother Beard. That smoke, prime rib. Amen. Don't ever quit smoking, Brother Beard. <laughs> Amen. That was wonderful. Amen. 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 Didn't we hear from God last night in this service? Amen. The power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Thank you, Brother Mayo. Thank you, Brother Mayo, for that word. Looking forward to hearing brother Bradford this morning and I will be time conscious looking forward to hearing him I want to say thank you to my men some of our men came up we have a a big meeting right around the first of the year and they've been working hard on that but some of them some of them came anyway and I appreciate so much you doing that give honor to the ministers the men of God in this place amen I love preachers I love preachers. I'm standing here tonight today because of preachers, because somebody preached to me. Thank you, men of God. Amen. I, I do feel a, a thought from the Lord when Brother Townley first called me and asked me about preaching uh, spot in this conference. This message came to my mind immediately, and I, I cannot get it off my mind. It would not leave. And so I just want to obey the Lord today. If you've got your Bibles, you'd like to turn to Proverbs. I'm going to read two sets of scriptures, one in Proverbs chapter 4 and then another in 2 Samuel 18. Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 20, my son, attend to my words, incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. For they are life unto those that find them. And health to all their flesh. And notice verse 23. It said keep. Everyone say keep. Keep, keep thy heart with all diligence. For out of it are the issues of life. And now turning to 2 Samuel, the 18th chapter and the 18th verse. Now Absalom, in his lifetime, had taken and reared up for himself a pillar which is in the king's dale. For he said, I have no son to keep my name in remembrance. And he called the pillar. After his own name. And it is called unto this day Absalom's place. Absalom's place. I want to talk to you just for a little while today from this thought. And that is Absalom's place. A monument of regret. A monument Of regret. Would you lift up your hands and ask the Holy Ghost to come in this place today and anoint us for a little bit? God, I love you today. I thank you today for the power of the Holy Ghost. Thank you for your anointing, God. Come on, come on, let's talk to the Lord together. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, come into this place, God. Help us today, anoint us today. In the name of Jesus, everyone give the Lord a good hand clap of praise all over this building, and God bless you. You can be seated. Amen, amen. James, he, he reminds us of the shortness of life when he talks about how life is a vapor. One writer said we're like the grass of the field. We're here today. And we're gone tomorrow. Brother Weeks made mention. It seems just almost impossible that I have been in Guy for 24 and a half years, starting our 25th year there. And uh, when I was a young man, 16 years old, God filled me with the Holy Ghost. I came into the church, and I've turned around, and now I'm 54, 38 years later. And I'm thinking, where did it go? Somebody has pushed the fast-forward button on Brother Blakely. But I thought, you know, we don't have much time left. Amen. I, I'm I'm in the the latter part of my life, I'm sure, 54. Amen. You're, you're starting to cross over and look at the downhill slope. But I, I thought today that it's time for every man in this building. From time to time, we need to stop and we need to reevaluate some things and we need to decide what is most important in life. What is it that that we need to really really work on accomplishing in life? If you've got any goals, you better get started. Amen. If you've got anything you want to do, you better get started. If there's anything you want to obtain, you better get after it. Amen. If you want a stronger family, you better get to working on it. You want to do something for God, you better roll up your sleeves and go to work. I think that we would all agree today that the number one thing that we need to be conscious of is we need to to make sure that this never-dying soul stays right with God. I want to tell you, there's nothing more important than my relationship with God. Amen. Does anybody feel like I feel today? Amen. Above all else, I've got to be saved. Above all else, I've got to make heaven my home. Amen. 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 And then the next, the next most important thing to me is, is my marriage. Amen. God blessed me with a wife 35 years ago that, that will put up with me. And thank God I'm going to keep her. Amen, amen. I I think it's important that that we put some value on our marriage and on our our family. And I don't mind telling you uh, from the start today, I come in defense of apostolic families today. Because I believe with all my heart, the devil is doing everything in his power to destroy families. Amen. The family is the core of the church. The family is the core of our nation. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Hallelujah. I thought about, you know, I love the conveniences that technology has has brought to us all of us love the the comfort of all of these conveniences, but you know I I, I fear sometime uh conveniences have have caused us, instead of making it easier in our life, I'm, a, I'm afraid it's just caused us to squeeze more into our schedules. It, it's caused us to become more, more busy. We're living in a busy generation. We're living in a very materialistic generation. We're living in a, a culture that, that is very self-centered and very uh, selfish Amen. I thought as Brother Weeks got up here and he began to just about preach my message today. He quoted this scripture. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing. Everybody say the renewing. The renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Amen. Now when we read this scripture, our mind automatically goes to... uh, separation and holiness and thank God that there's men in this building today and there's pastors in this building today that they are not going to compromise and they are not going to conform to the ways of the world but I come to warn you today Men, that, that there's, there's another conforming going on and there's some things that's taking place without us even realizing it that's happening in our homes and in our lives. And I come today to, to cry out that someone could leave this place without regret. Amen, amen. Give the Lord a good hand clap of praise together. Scripture said that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Amen. I believe that there is a clear, defined will of God for men. Amen. There is a distinct plan for each man that's here today. And God has given us this good word for us to structure our lives after amen and when we, we struck, when we don't structure our lives after the word of God it seems like it, it gets heavy the responsibility you know there's a lot of responsibility on the shoulders of a man. there's, there's a load on the, the, uh, on the shoulders of a man and I don't believe God has put that, that load on our shoulders amen to, to be a burden to us but I believe that he has given he has put us in a position, to uh, to where we can lead our families, amen, and it would create happiness and peace, amen. I'm talking about the will of God for a man. Hallelujah, hallelujah. The scripture says in John 5 and 3, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. I want to tell you the will of God for a man is not a grievous plan, but it's a happy plan. If you're not happy today, you need, you need to analyze what's going on in your life. Living for God is the most happy life in the world. i never found anything in the world like I've experienced since I've been living for God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus said, I come to you that you might have life more abundantly. You know what that word abundantly means? It means advantage, having the advantage. I want to tell you something. Apostolic men have an advantage in life. You have an advantage in your business. You can pray and seek the Spirit over your business deals. We can pray and seek the Holy Ghost over our family problems. Man, I'm glad, I'm glad to have life today. I'm glad to be living. I'm glad to have the advantage. Hallelujah. 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 Proverbs, the fourth chapter, in the 23rd verse, the Bible said to keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. There's a lot of categories, men, that you're responsible for. There's a lot of categories in life that you're in charge of. Amen. And the scripture said to keep thy heart. This word keep means to guard and to maintain. God has placed your family in your hands today, men. God has placed you. I said God has ordained you and placed you as the leader of your home. Boy, let me encourage you. Take care of them. Protect them. Love them. Enjoy them. Help them to make heaven their home. I'll never forget what Brother Holmes told me, Brother Weeks, when I went to Guy, Arkansas. He said, I'm going to tell you, Brother Blakely, he said, if you can just save your wife and your son, you've done a great work for God. I'm going to tell you, man. if we can save our families, we've done something. If we can keep our families in the church and keep them from the scars of sin. But God has ordained you with authority. Amen. Thank God for that authority. Amen. But I, I want to tell you something, men. Authority is more than just being in charge. Authority is more than just making your demands. But authority has to be balanced with the fruit of the Spirit. You need a little love in your authority. You need a little little long-suffering in your authority. You need a little kindness in your authority. There's a time that a man must demand. I believe that a man needs to be a man. I believe that a man needs to be in charge. But for you to try to do it without the respect of your family, you're not authority, you're a bully. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. There's a time to puts your foot down. Then there's a time, amen, that we need to be long-suffering. I'm going to tell you, balanced authority, amen, balanced authority makes a family feel safe. They don't feel threatened by authority. If it's balanced and it's got a right spirit, I'm telling you, man, God wants us to have a right spirit in our home. When I went to Guy, Arkansas, I, I went there and there was zero saints. And we finally built a little congregation. Well, I couldn't go in there and start making my demands and telling them to get rid of this and get rid of that. And, and uh, I, I couldn't go in there from the start and just start, start making my demands. But I had to win their Confidence. Isn't it sad that we'll go out into the business world and, and we'll work on that sale or that business deal or that real estate deal and, and we'll work on winning the, con, the confidence of our colleagues? But yet when we come home, we just expect everybody to jump when we demand. Somebody clap your hands to the Lord. <laughs> I had a couple one time, hey man, they was on a budget, they had a certain amount of money they could work with, hey man, and the man wanted to buy something, I don't remember what it was, maybe a rod and reel or something, and the wife said, honey, you remember you said we're on this budget, he said, let me tell you something, woman, I'm the man of this house. (laughs) yeah he's the man of the house but he ended up in my office counseling we need to make sure that we're not using authority for selfish motives along with this authority God has placed you over the provision of your family 1 Timothy 5 and 8, but if any man provide not for his own, especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel, worse than an unbeliever, worse than a sinner if you won't work, if you won't take care of your family. Men, God's called us to provide. We're providers. God has ordained you to provide. Now, I want to I I preach a little bit today, and it may get a little, I may cross some theories today, but you know, I, I have been known to do that, so don't, don't worry about me, amen, <laughs> hallelujah. But we are living in a culture that, Brother Weeks, t- I'm afraid that it's, it's trying to mold the apostolic ranks. We're living in a culture that says if the, if the wife will work and we can just kind of take her out of the home and, and put her in the job for us to help, you know, we can have more material things. Amen. Amen. This materialistic culture says if the wife will help, we can have a bigger house. We can have a nicer car. We can have nicer furniture. We can have nicer clothes. There's nothing wrong with any of that. I like all that stuff. But I'm going to tell you something. I, do have a pro- I don't have a problem with a woman working as long as the children are being taken care of, as long as the husband is being taken care of as long as she's able to guide that house in the fear of God. But I'm going to tell you something tonight, men. When it gets to the place where your children are suffering and your home is suffering because the wife is working, it's time to get a cheaper car. It's time to downsize on the house. Being saved is more important than anything. Oh, come on, please help me today. It's sad when daycares are raising our apostolic children. My God, help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. You can be seated. You know, I'm not trying to be mean today. I love every one of you. And I'm I'm just trying to preach where somebody won't have no regret. But it's a shame when our children are closer to the babysitter than they are mom and daddy. Well, Brother Blakely, you don't understand. I'm just too busy. You're right. You're too busy. Help me, Jesus. Lift up your hands. Let's love the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh, I'm going to tell you, I don't have no problem. I don't have no problem with women working as long as they keep their priorities right. I thought about it. I didn't ask him for permission, but I see Brother Matt Freeman here. His wife is an occupational therapist. She makes very good money, does very well. But you know what, Brother Matt come to me, Brother Weeks, and he said, Brother Blakely, he said, you know, we're going to have our first child. He says, and how do you feel? I said, you know, and I told him what I just told you. You've you got to make sure that that baby's took care of. And you know what, he took her out of the workforce, and he's letting her take care of little Audrey. And this, let me tell you the other side of that. He had started a business, and God has blessed his build- business way beyond what she made. Hall- let me tell you, you God will make up the difference. And people to just sacrifice and keep their priorities right. hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I believe that a man is more than just a natural provider. But I believe a man ought to provide a good, safe, spiritual environment for his family. Hey, man, He needs to find a solid church that preaches the truth and place his family under a solid pastor, a man that'll preach the truth. And then after he places it under it, Places them under him, he needs to teach them loyalty and commitment to that man of God and to that congregation. Mm-hmm. Brother Weeks, you, you stepped all over it. I, I don't believe that it ought to be the burden of the pastor to have to correct everybody's kids and line everybody's kids up to the standards. But I believe daddy ought to love holiness daddy ought to go home and take care of business when I see a young lady from time to time we'll have it to happen when I see a young lady come into my church and maybe her dress is just a little too short or a little too tight I don't think bad of that young lady I wonder what's wrong with mama and daddy Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hey ma'am, you go to church, your kids ought, they, they ought to be able to, they don't need a Bible study on worship, they ought to be able to look at daddy and know how to worship. Yeah. Hallelujah. you need to teach your children to rally behind the man of God. Don't ever allow anything negative about the church or the people in the church or the man of God to come out of their mouths. The next category, and I'm moving on, Brother Bradford. I'm I'm trying to be time conscious. Hallelujah. But the next category I want to talk to you about, and this just kind of brings me right into it, And that is forming a strong relationship with each family member. It's so important, men. It's more important than any business deal you could ever do. It's more important than any CD that you could deposit into your savings account. Bible said to love your wives as Christ loved the church. Brother, he loved the church enough to die for it. Brother, we need to, we need to respect our wives and, and honor our wives. Brother, I think about Sister Blakely. Anybody that lived with me for 35 years, she ought to be honored. Amen. You that know me saying amen. Amen. Thank you, Brother Looper. Hallelujah. Love our wives. I'm going to tell you something. You need to form a strong relationship with your children and your teenagers. Moses. And here he was raised in Pharaoh's house. The adopted son of Pharaoh's daughter. But I I don't have time to qualify everything I'm saying, but I, I just personally believe... Since they chose Jochebed, Jochebed was the the nurse. His mother was the nurse of Moses. I just, in my mind, I believe that, that Jochebed was a continuing influence in his life. Somebody was telling Moses, hey, Moses, you're a Hebrew. Hey, Moses, there's one God. Hey, Moses, you're not part of this Egyptian clan. You're a God called man. Hebrews 11 and 24, by faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. That didn't just happen by accident. Yeah. Choosing rather to suffer the affliction of the people of God than to enjoy pleasures of sin for a season. Esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. I'm going to tell you something. Jacob all she had to compete with was relationship. She couldn't with, compete with the wealth of Egypt. But, brother, there was something she had. There was something she had that had a hold on Moses. <laughs> said by faith, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. I want to tell you something, men. You can live a certain way in front of your children and form a strong relationship with your children that they'll see God through you. They'll have revelation of truth through your life. They'll have confidence in the church, confidence in the preacher, confidence in God because of your relationship. Hallelujah. Come on, lift up your hands. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, come on, come on. Talk to the Lord. He ma la la hoya. Jesus. You know, sometimes men, sometimes it can be overwhelming categories of life I'm talking about all the responsibilities we have brother weeks it can be overwhelming you've got the bills to pay you've got the hey man all of the responsibilities of life the boss is over here and he's crying for overtime hey man I gotta have you to work overtime pastor of the church says man I need you at the men's meeting Man, the wife says hey the, 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 the faucet's broke we need you to fix the faucet They call you from school and they say, little Johnny's giving us some behavior problems. Wife says, little Susie's kind of being tempted with this certain thing. And man, you got all of these, you don't know which direction to go. Ephesians 5 and 15 says, See that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Redeeming. Redeeming. This word redeeming means to buy up. To rescue from loss, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of God is. I'm going to tell you something, men. This may sound like a motivational class, but I I tell these men, these are men, men, they're witnesses to what I'm saying. I, I tell our men, you need to get a planner. You need to carry a planner on you. You need to schedule. You need to be organized. You've got a lot of things to keep up with in life. You've got some categories in life. Amen. And if you don't get a planner, you won't get nothing done. So we need some time management in the apostolic ranks. We don't need to be blown here or there. But we need to know where we're going and what we're going to do. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. I'm trying to hurry. Amen. Amen. But we need to learn to prioritize because you're going to have problems. Little Johnny's going to have behavior problems from time to time. You're going to have to work overtime from time to time. But we've got to learn to prioritize and we've got to figure what's, what's more important. I want to tell you something today. If the marriage is, is suffering, you need to key on the marriage you may have to tell the boss, Hey boss, my, my marriage is suffering. I've got to back off a little bit on this, on this overtime or I'm going to have to find another job. Because my marriage is more important than my job. Let me tell you something. If you're, you're here, I, I just feel this. I feel like said, so, if you're here to, today and you having a little bit of marriage problem, let me help you. You can fix it. With the help of God, you can fix it. And if you'll do some things, you can fix it. Somebody, somebody made this analogy, and I thought it was real good. They said marriage is kind of like a, a bank account. It's worthless if you don't put anything in it. you're either making deposits or you're making withdrawals. When you remember her birthday, you're making a deposit. When you tell her how nice she looks before church, you're making a deposit. Boy, isn't this easy? When you come home and you fix the leaky faucet without her asking you, you've made a big deposit. Deposit. But when you come in and you're grumpy and you're hateful and you snap at her for no reason, you've made a withdrawal. And if you're in a situation where you've made more withdrawals than you have deposits I had somebody a while back. The wife had left the husband. And he come into my office and he started telling me all the demands that was going to have to be made. And I said, brother, do you realize she ain't living with you anymore? Now ain't no time to make demands. Now's the time to buy flowers. Hallelujah. David. David was one of the greatest men in the Bible. He is one of my heroes in the Bible. I love to read about David. He was a man after God's own heart. We read about how David killed the bear and the lion and, man, how he went out and fought Goliath. David was truly a great, great king. But though David was great in so many areas, he still struggled with human weaknesses. We read the horrible story of his adulterous affair a man with a very loyal man's wife. Then he has this loyal man murdered. God have mercy on the man that puts his hand on a loyal man. I could preach another entire message on that. But David, he suffered untold misery because of his sin. I want to tell you something, men. You better make sure you crucify that carnal element inside of you. Don't ever get to the place where you feel like, well I couldn't fall. When you think you stand, beware lest you fall. Hallelujah. hallelujah. the sin can cause a lot of regret. The price of sin is too high, it's too damaging. Carnality leaves such an aftermath of destruction. But as I I was studying the life of David, I began to notice another weakness in David's life, and that was his relationship with his family. David, being the chosen king of Israel, he, he just seemed to have a hard time balancing it all out. His love for God was strong. His love for Israel was strong. His, posi- his love for his position of being king was evident. I believe David even loved his family. You, you can see that when he went to Ziglac and-, and he went and recovered all. He loved them. But when you study the relationship with his family, it was very weak and insensitive. David had in the neighborhood of, of 20 children. And only one daughter is recorded. There is a scripture that said he had other sons and daughters. I'll let you figure all that out. Amen. But David, he was a polygamist. And so you can imagine the tension that was in his house. Amen. I won't even go there. Amen. I will tell you that it was God's original plan for there to be one man with one woman. And while I'm on the subject, I might as well go ahead and say it. God hates putting away. He hates divorce. Divorce shouldn't have any place in the apostolic ranks. I, I know, I know, I know, and I, I don't have time to qualify everything. I know God gave Jesus, He said that, that Moses gave a writing of divorcement for. Immorality, and I understand all that, Amen. But I want you to know we need to brand it, preachers, in the hearts of our men and our churches that divorce is so detrimental, so damaging. Well, it, I just kind of hit a ball pair a little bit, Amen. But I want to talk about briefly in closing the relationship between David and his third son, Absalom. Absalom was first mentioned after a tragic event that had took place in David's house. Amnon. Nobody's shooting at me, are they? Amnon was David's eldest son. He would have been heir to the throne of Israel next to be king. But Amnon had a lust problem towards his own half-sister. Now, I don't have time to, to go into it all and all of my thoughts, but I will say this. David wasn't paying good attention. There wasn't a close enough relationship with him and Amnon as you read on into the story. Influenced by... Friend to commit sin and to give in to his flesh. He fakes being sick, and they had David, Tamar's father, to send Tamar into the chambers with Amnon. You know how the story goes. He forces her, defiles her, and then totally rejects her and has her thrown out of his chambers. Now, Tamar and Absalom were were full brother and sister. And Absalom was the first to find out about this this horrible event. And I I believe after studying, I I just have to believe that it it was Absalom that reported it to King David, their father. But when you read the scripture, you never find one place where where David tried to console Tamar. You don't ever find one place where where David brought her into his house. But I believe it was because of embarrassment and pride. He just let Absalom deal with it. And the scripture says that Absalom brought her into his house. And she remained there, remained desolate, all the days of her life. I really, really believe that there was, there was some respect that was lost in the heart of Absalom over the way his sister was treated. You know how the story goes. Hey, Amen. Absalom, he has his brother Amnon. Later he has him killed. Amen. Hey, man. Also, before he had him killed, it was never recorded that David disciplined Amnon in any way. I don't know if he was trying to protect his spot as being king. The Bible doesn't say. But Absalom had him killed. And we find David getting so angry at Absalom that Absalom flees to his grandfather, which was another king in another land Absalom stays there for a while out of fear of David and he gets homesick and he contacts Joab Joab help me I need to get reunited with my father I want to come back home Joab ignores him at first and he sets the fields of Joab on fire Joab finally gets with him and he helps reunite Absalom back into David's house but this is what David said David said you let him come home he said but don't even let him come before my face I don't even want to see him and Absalom feels this rejection lift up your hands let's love the Lord Help me, Holy Ghost. Help me, Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Absalom feels this rejection from his father. And again, he loses more respect. And by this time, that little bitter feeling that he was feeling over Tamar is turned into hatred. Scripture describes Absalom as a nice-looking man. Absalom had a threefold purpose, I believe, of wanting to steal the hearts of people. Number, number one, because of his pride. Number two, just knowing that he might could fulfill the spot of being king in place of his brother. And then the third motive, I believe, was just so he could Get David back for a life of being insensitive and uncaring. Well, hallelujah. He stands at the gate day by day and finally steals the influence of Israel. I'm closing. Word comes to David that he has taken over the kingdom and David flees for his life because he knows Absalom's going to kill him. War breaks out. The Bible said that David's men had to kill over 20,000 men of Israel just because of Absalom's rebellion. Can you imagine the way those... Mothers of those boys and those sons and daughters of those men that were killed, how they felt. I'm going to tell you something. Bad relationships affect a lot of people. The Bible said that Absalom was riding on a white mule. And he gets his hair tangled up in the branches of a tree. And here he is hanging. You know how the story goes. Joab gets three darts and he runs them through the heart of Absalom. I want to read my text again. Now, Absalom in his lifetime had taken and reared up for himself a pillar, which is in the king's dale. For he said, I have no son to keep my name in remembrance. And he called the pillar after his own name, and it is called unto this day Absalom's place. Now I want to read verse 17 and I've done it in this order for a purpose. The Bible said after, they had, after Joab had killed Absalom and they took Absalom and cast him into a great pit in the wood and laid a, great, laid a very great heap of stones upon him and all Israel fled everyone to its tent. Do you know it's not recorded whether or not Absalom's body was ever moved to his own tomb called Absalom's place. Absalom erected this monument to complement his accomplishments in life. And the Bible said it was, it was in the Kingsdale. Commentary said the Kingsdale was, was in the king's garden a monument that was built to remember the great things about a man called Absalom. But because of a bad relationship, commentary says that centuries after the rebellion of Absalom, that people would gather, Brother Weeks, and they would bring stones. Probably some of the family members of that those 20,000 men that were destroyed and killed because of Absalom's rebellion. They would take stones and they would crash them into the side of that monument, remembering the rebellion of, of Absalom. And in my mind, I, I can just see, this is not Bible, this is Brother Blakely, but in my mind I can just just see David as he's in his house and he hears this crashing noise outside and, and he looks out and he goes outside and he sees Absalom's tomb or Absalom's monument. And he hears the crashing of those stones and they're doing it because of old bad Absalom, that was rebellious. But I can see David as he drops his head and he, he thinks, you know, if I'd have done some things different, if I'd just been a little more sensitive, maybe this wouldn't be happening today. If I would have just handled the situation with Amnon a little different. Maybe even if I'd have been a little more sensitive to Amnon, he wouldn't have made the mistake. Maybe Tamar wouldn't be desolate today if I'd have done some things different. Stand together. Man, I hadn't come to put you under condemnation today, but I've come to help you. The difference between you and David. You may still have your wife. You may still have your children. You may still have your teenager. There may be time to recover. There may be time to live without regret. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What are you talking about? I'm talking about Absalom's place, a monument of regret. Lift up your hands. Love the Lord right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Does anybody feel the Holy Ghost in this place? Hallelujah. 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 Oh, God. Thank you, Jesus, for this word today. Hallelujah.